You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 94 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts, and this is show number 94, the show for June 2021. Today, our panel is small in number, being not really as much a panel as a duo, uh, but that means it is going to be all the better for it, because I have with me a special guest who is extremely appropriate to this month's big news. Steve Harris from Reinvented Software has very kindly agreed to join me. Steve, welcome to the show. Hi, Bats. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, for coming on. Um, I I really wanted to have a developer on to digest the June news. It, it seemed very appropriate. Um, yes. And there is other news. And, uh, you know, as someone who's in the Apple community, I'm sure you'll have things to say on the other news. But let's face it, in Apple land, June is developer month. Yes. I mean, it very much is. I'd say the only thing that did break through into my bubble mm-hmm. this was the news about Windows 11. Well, that's a, which is kind of related. So that's actually yes. yeah. So we also have that in our menu. Um, so you're, this is your first time on the show, uh, and I've I've sort of plugged the fact that you're a developer. Uh, but you 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 are reinvented software, and I know you as the guy who writes the thing that makes my podcast feed work, as in the guy. <laughs> who does feeder um do you want to give the listeners a, a very quick sort of potted potted history of steve harris uh yes yeah, steve harris well i've been making <clears throat> excuse me mac apps since about well since about the mac os 10 public beta notes which is uh, 20 years and reinvented software been going almost as long as 2003 i make two apps one is Feeder, which can create and publish podcast feeds. And the other one's called Keep It, which is a sort of notebook organizer productivity app. Would it be fair to say Evernote that doesn't suck? Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> I I was once such a happy Evernote user. And now I just feel like I'm in a cage. And it's not a gilded cage. It's not like Apple's walled garden. I just feel ick. So... I'll be honest, mm. I spent some time today going, you know, yeah, I'm starting to think I might keep it instead of and kick uh, Evernote to the curb. Well, you can always give it a go and don't tell me about it. And if you like it, well, great. And if you don't, well, you know. We shall say no more, yes. No, exactly. If I like it, I'll plug it all over the show. And if I don't, I should say nothing. But yeah. no, it's, anyway, look, thank you very much for, for agreeing to, to, to join us. Um, so... You know, as usual on the show, we're going to start with some follow-up on stories we've covered in previous months. Uh, obviously, the story that never ends is COVID. Uh, I've been whittling down the COVID news every month to less and less, uh, but I do sort of think it's worth noting that all the 511 international Apple stores are actually open this month. That is an accomplishment, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. Yes. No, I really do too. I wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, Apple seemed quite keen on the concept because uh, their chief of retail has said that, oh, yeah, yeah, we're planning on opening more. So uh, Apple have not been dissuaded from physical stores by this pandemic. No. And the other related piece of news is that Product Red, they're going to continue partnering on COVID relief until the end of the year, which seems eminently sensible. Hmm, that's good. When last we spoke, Apple was having some difficulty with its podcast subscriptions. Um, 
they had basically just cancelled it as we recorded at the end of May. Uh, it has gone live as they promised, so you can now get your subscriptions and there are channels and all that kind of stuff has all gone live. Um, I think I created one for both of my shows. I should check that out, actually. In theory, I think there's a channel for the two Let's Talk podcasts. <laughs> so that just puts all your stuff on one page, right? I, that's what I think. See, I don't actually use Apple's podcast app <clears throat> because right. I frankly think it sucks. Um, yes. So I'm a terrible, you know, I, I'm not very good at all this stuff because I don't see what it looks like to other people. It just looks really good and overcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we also then have, last time we were talking, Apple had made a big splash with their uh, spatial audio and their fancy pants improvements to Apple Music. Um, they are continuing to push that uh, thing. Um Apple Music on Android is getting spatial audio, which is nice to know they haven't forgotten about Android users. Um, and it is also coming to Logic Pro later this year. So I guess that means people can create their own fancy pants three-dimensional sound, which is rather cool. And uh, Apple are not alone for long in anything they do. So Deezer have now created what they call 360 Sessions, which is basically spatial audio. So. Right. I have uh, nothing to say about that. So. Well, I mean, you know, if you're going to, I guess if I was the kind of person who would spend 600 euro or whatever Apple charge for their fancy pants headphones and mm -hmm. I had the time and a quiet room and some sort of Zen beanbag to listen to some sort of symphony in, in the round, I'm sure I would enjoy it greatly. Yes, I think you do need the beanbag. Yeah, whereas what I actually do is I listen to podcasts while cycling with bone conduction headphones. So I don't yes, think any right. of that is conducive to 3D audio. <laughs> no, it just wouldn't work. I'm the same. I listen to stuff on the move most of the time, and really, it's just not what I want. No, every there was one, there was one time one of my podcasts as a, as a gimmick did a 3D episode, and it it was actually bad while cycling because oh, right. I kept on thinking there was something coming up behind me, and it's like, <laughs> you know, not good, not good. Uh, and then another long-running story, which is tangentially related to the story that is uh, actually on Snooze this month. I'm sure it will be back, which is the uh, Epic Games story. But we are waiting for the judge to judge. So it's actually gone away for a month, which is great that there is no section in my show notes called Apple v. Epic. First time in a long time. But it definitely isn't related news. Um Epic are obviously trying to get their game store on iOS and they say it's impossible. And this month's Google Stadia has gone live, effectively. They've said it's left at the experimental stage, is Google's phrasing. And Microsoft's xCloud, their Xbox gaming subscription, they have said that it has come out of beta, which is a more traditional way of saying it's gotten live. Yes. Uh, but either way, both of those companies have succeeded in getting a subscription gaming service onto iOS devices. Yes, it's via Safari, which is a little bit suboptimal. However, they're making money on iOS. Mm. And in fact, because it's Safari, they don't have to worry about giving Apple a cut. So swings and roundabouts on that one, I guess. Um, and Microsoft have also gone the hardware route. There is now a designed for Xbox mobile gaming accessory labely thing you can get for iOS joypads and things. Which oh. apparently works through Safari, so they must have some sort of API to uh, publish game controls to the web. Amazing what you can do on the web these days. It is, isn't it? I mean, I don't know who thought of that, but clearly, I, I would. I would guess Google if I was because Chrome seems to just want to have every API possible, probably be to get it into their Chromebooks. 
Yes, that does make sense, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And some yeah. of it gets ported to other people and gets picked up by the W3C. And then a lot of it gets turned off again uh, because it allows browser fingerprinting, famously like the battery level one, which was great for getting around cookie blocking. Oh. And they've all had to roll that one back out, of course. But yeah. So there's any way they can break through, they will, won't they? So. Oh, that is a cat and mouse game and a half. Um, if, if, if I had a euro for every time myself and Alison talked about that on Security Bits on her Nocilla cast, I, I would be rich, actually. It would be great, but no. <laughs> but no. They don't pay for that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, I decided there were no notable numbers this month, and because Apple v Epic is on hiatus, there is no legal latest this month. So one quick story in Apple HR and acquisition news... Ulrich Hans, a former BMW executive, has been hired by Apple. I wonder what he's working on. Oh, I can't imagine. (laughs) Anyway, um, let us move on in the Apple services update then. Um, I've... I've been sort of cranky at myself for spending too much time fixating on Apple TV Plus and ignoring Apple's other subscription services. So I sort of made a point of starting to pay attention to other news. And what struck me this month in that category is seems to be a lot of activity on Apple Arcade. Um, Angry Birds Doodle God and Alto's Odyssey are coming to Apple Arcade. Angry Birds in particular. It was like, oh, that's one I've heard of. I don't game and that's what I've heard of. Uh, there's also something called uh, Leo's Fortune and Inks, which are apparently classics. They're also coming to Apple Arcade. And then apparently it's possible to make an imaginative version of Solitaire. So Solitaire okay. Stories. Apparently it's a narrative form of Solitaire that is now released on Apple Arcade. And I'll be honest, I downloaded it and I will get to play with it soon, I hope. Um, I've always been a bit of a Solitaire fan. And then yes. finally... Detonation Racing is coming to Apple Arcade, which does kind of sound like fun. Um, and then I'm not going to completely ignore Apple TV Plus. Um, I'm I, Early in Apple TV Plus's history, I used to list every rumor about every famous actor who was coming onto Apple TV Plus, and it would be like, you know, two a month. That's ah, not possible to do anymore. Or I would just be doing an, edu- an entertainment show, and I have no interest in that. So... I'm not going to tell you all the stuff that's coming out, but I do think it's worth pausing for a moment to uh, congratulate Apple TV Plus on growing up. Uh, the one-year trial that they extended repeatedly is finally coming to an end. Um, those of us who've had it for free for forever will finally get a bill, and new users will get a three-month trial. So really, Apple are obviously feel that they now have sufficient content for this thing to stand on its own two feet. Are you an Apple TV Plus person? Yes, I am, actually. I mean, I haven't seen a great deal of things, but, I mean, I've enjoyed Ted Lasso, Mosquito Coast, which is just on. I ignored it for a while, but I started watching Tehran as well uh, this week, uh-huh. which is the uh, Israeli spy in Iran. And just because it's, <laughs> I don't know, I thought, I quite like spy things. Maybe this would be quite good, and it is actually quite good. It's quite star-studded, I believe, if, if I remember rightly. Hmm. I watched the pen- the 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 documentary on uh, Schultz, the guy who drew Peanuts. Oh yes, it was superb. And by the end of it, I was pretty much doing my best not to wipe tears from my eyes. Oh. It was <laughs> like it was really well done. I, I was genuinely impressed. Um, 
And at some point, I do plan on watching the Oprah Winfrey Prince Harry mental health series, but I figure I should probably be in the right frame of mind for that, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I haven't, I haven't fancied picking that one up yet either. It's a funny thing, though. I mean, I think sometimes you need your own life to be a certain way before you can attack any kind of, you know, show that... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a heavy topic, right? It's, it's, not, it's not light. Exactly. Um, yeah. Although I have watched many of Oprah's other interviews for Apple TV Plus, and they have been superb. Um, her Barack Obama one was particularly funny. Um, that was well done. Um, and I guess the other reason Apple are confident um, that they can start charging for this is that uh, at this stage, they have won 112 awards out of 389 nominations. That is astonishing, mind really, isn't it? Because it's kind of is, yeah. It's still quite, you know, <clears throat> when you look at the content that's on there. I know they focus on all their original content, but I mean, I've got Disney Plus, I've got Prime, I've even got BritBox, and um, you know, all these shows, you know, these things have these vast catalogs. Whereas Apple TV is still quite, quite sparse, really, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's filling up nicely. Some great stuff on there. But it just shows that they are really focusing on the quality and Yeah. And it's through. It's cutting through. Yeah. I mean, you know, Disney do have a slight head start. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't but a century, you know, could stuff on there as well. <clears throat> but yeah, you know, considering I think that they focus entirely on really originals and it's well, what has it been? It's sort of a year. Well, has it been two years now? It's about a year, it's a year and a half approaching yes. two. It was November, I think, wasn't it? That it, it was in. November when it actually started, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think that. Yes. Yes. It's time has gone strange, hasn't it? Oh, but yes. So considering yeah. that, you know, I think they've, they've built up a very nice little catalogue already and uh, looks like, you know, the next round as well, you know, because a lot of things have been renewed. Yeah. Is, is, really going to send it up i think yeah and yeah. yeah definitely um as an irish person i'm just going to plug wolf walkers is probably one of the highlights of oh. um if you haven't watched it yet it is simply superb and it has won apple quite a few of those awards oh, um sure definitely give it a watch um and apparently there's a tv series due from that a spin-off from that movie which is or from the same studio anyway which is some guys down in kilkenny which is kind of nice Huh. Um, and even this month, the awards kept coming in. Uh, so Oprah and 1971 scored wins for Apple TV at the Critics' Choice Award. Uh, and Apple TV Plus also got uh, their animated series, Silwater, got a Peabody Award. And they picked up 25 Daytime Emmy Award nominations. So uh, we shall see what that develops into. Um, and speaking of upcoming stuff, Apple also plugged all of the many things that are coming up this summer with lots of trailers and things. So there's a link in the show notes if you want to watch Apple brag about the cool stuff on the way. Um, it's, you know, it's a good mix, but, you know, various different genres. Yes, definitely. Okay, uh, we have this month, how many main stories? I should really scroll down before I say how many we have. I thought I had four, but then I, no, I only have three because I turned one of them into not a main story. Um, okay, so we have three main stories this month. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is Apple's ongoing antitrust issues. We've, we've, we've had this as a follow-up for quite some time, but this month I think it deserves a little bit of focus. Then our, you know, elephant in the room, Worldwide Developer Conference. That's quite a large main story. 
And then I do feel it's worth spending a little bit of time talking about Windows 11 um, because that is, I think that is significant and there's some interesting features in there that very much relate to what Apple do. So without further ado, let us have a little look at what is going on in the world of regulating big tech. So I'm going to start, I think, in Europe um, because that's the easiest to talk about this month. America had a lot of big news. So starting in Europe, a little place called the United Kingdom you might have heard of, Steve. Um, Your Competition and Markets Authority have launched an investigation into whether Apple and Google's market power is, quote, detrimental to users and other businesses. Mm. I I wonder what they will come up with. (laughs) The Germans have opened an investigation to see whether or not Apple's platforms count are, are somehow a, an antitrust issue. Uh, the Dutch have decided that uh, they're not investigating. They have simply decided that access to NFC technology needs new rules. They have said that this needs to be reevaluated at the EU level. Basically, Apple Pay should not have a monopoly on contactless payments on iPhones is their feeling on the matter. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But the Dutch that one hasn't come up before, actually. Well, the Germans have mentioned it in some of their other probes, but nothing's ever come of it. So mm. I, I wonder if that will also fall out of the German probe. Um, but you're right, actually. That is that is such an obvious one. Yes. Um, but yeah, nothing yet. And then the probably the biggest thing, um, certainly across my mind or my radar this month, is that the EU are, have finished up a big investigation of the smart home sector. And they have released a report where they outline four concerns and they do explicitly name Apple and many others, but Apple is named in the report. And the things that have the EU exercised are exclusivity and tying practices, so basically bundling stuff together. Uh, they say that voice assistants and smart device OSs are acting as intermediaries in a potentially troubling way. Uh, they say that there is extensive access to data. Yeah, no bleep. Yes. <laughs> Alexa, what have you overheard this week? Although in my house, nothing, because you're not allowed in. But anyway. And then a lack of interoperability, which is, I find that one kind of ironic. They've obviously spent too long writing the report and making the report, and they haven't noticed that Matter has just been launched, and that should take care of itself by the end of the year. But hey, you know, three out of four ain't bad, I suppose. So in Europe, it's, you know, it's a rumbling background noise of threats, but uh, the US was not background noise. Um a little bit of background noise in the sense that we had a right to repair bill introduced in the house that no one expects will go anywhere. But that's that's sort of been a background thing for a while. But definitely a much, much bigger thing is that House lawmakers introduced five bipartisan, which is a very rare species, bipartisan bills uh, to unwind tech monopolies is how The Verge headlined it. Um I I couldn't find any news story that actually listed the five bills nicely. So I had to do the listing myself. So there's a small amount of creative writing. Uh, so the first of the bills will empower the DOJ and the Federal Trade Commission, so it's the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission, to break up tech firms by forcing them to sell parts of themselves that create a conflict of interest. So Amazon Basics would be the most flagrant example here, where Amazon run a store and Amazon run a company to make things they sell in the store for cheap. And that does mm. seem like a bit of a conflict of interest. So you can see the logic there. 
Uh, the second bill would ban companies boosting their own services over rivals, and the obvious thing everyone thought when they read the regulation, or sorry, the, the proposed law, was that this is about Google search results containing links to Google services and that kind of stuff. And then uh, Representative Cicilline then went and threw quite the spanner in the works when he said, oh yeah, yeah, and that also means that Apple can't bundle any apps of their own with their own OS. Um... Yeah, that's just like, okay, now I think this bill's a terrible idea because if a phone has to ship without an email client and if a phone has to ship without a music player and if a phone has to ship, why would you force the phone to be crippled? Yes. And then you're just telling people to go off and just install them anyway. And and some people just, I think, no. (laughs) They struggle with those things. I know people who struggle with those things, you know. And it should be possible to sell a phone that works. I, yes. I don't think that should be illegal. As a minimum, yes. You know? It's more about not barring competitors. That would be a good thing, of course. And, you know, not prioritizing your own stuff over other people's, yes. But bundling apps, I think, is, is fair enough. Yeah, I, I think that is taking things to a level. And the way, the, like, the way the bill is written, you don't immediately leap to, oh, yeah, this means no bundling apps. But that is how Representative Cicilline is interpreting it. And he is on the committee that drafted the things. So, okay. Okay. Um, the third bill would block acquisitions of nascent rivals. Basically, the Facebook don't do Instagram again law. So mm. I'm describing that one, which seems reasonable enough to me, because in hind- not just in hindsight, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. At the time, I said it was a terrible idea to let Facebook buy Instagram. Yes. <laughs> and I stand by that. And this would appear to I be... I mortified, so I'm with you on that, yeah. And I mean, I know they promised the EU they'd never bundle the data, they'd never share the data. Yeah, right. Hello, mm. Pinocchio. Oh, look, is that a big nose? Yep. Uh, the fourth one then would boost the merger filing fees for large companies. Basically, fund the antitrust regulators to actually be able to investigate these massive mergers by making you pay more to apply to merge. Um, and in fact, that this this legislation has actually already been moved. Uh, I think it was in the Senate it was moved already. So the Senate are ahead of the House on this one. And then the last one is forced data interoperability, which me with my European hat on is like, doesn't it? Doesn't the GDPR kind of already do that? But sure, do it in America too. That's, you know, more more better. Mm. So that was, you know, that was fairly big news when that was announced. And then a few days later, it uh, passed committee stages. And so it is actually moving to the floor of the House as its next step. Um, how do, I mean, on the whole, I sort of feel that the most of them are sensible. The... the expanding the second one to include not bundling apps seems nuts to me. But other than that, they don't seem terribly silly to me. The first one I'm 50-50 on. Mm-hmm. But the the last three, I don't, I don't see any problem with at all. You know, as someone who literally makes a living off software, how do they strike you in terms of sensibility, sensibleness? No, I think they are sensible. And I think... It's only very recently now that I think we've seen legislators actually start to get to grips with some of these issues. You know, I mean, even so, I mean, if you do listen to some of their hearings, it's clear they haven't got to grips with it. But I think those uh, do show that, yeah, they're really sort of getting their heads around what's going on a bit now. And I think the reason we're in 
the situation we're in with some some of these, you know, some of our favorite big companies is that they have been allowed to go unchecked for so long because nobody really knew or understood or understood the implications. And so I, I, it is good to see that finally, I think we are starting to get a little bit of oversight there, a little bit of. But of course, it does have to be sensible and hopefully they will work all these things out. Yeah, and we are still, I mean, so this is, the bill is now passed committee stage, which means they then go to the House floor. Then they also need to be taken up in the Senate. The Senate will make their own changes and tweaks, and then they have to go through a reconciliation where the two versions of the bill get averaged out, and then they go back to both the House and the Senate to be voted on again. And then assuming all of that passes, it goes to the President, who can still do a line-item veto and only let some of it through. (sighs) So, plenty of water to be added to this soup. (laughs) Yes, yes. We shall see. Uh, Apple, however, do not see things the way you or I do. Um, They're quite cranky about the concept. Um, They slammed the proposed antitrust legislation in a scathing letter to the committee. Uh, They've also released a white paper outlining why it is very important that they be allowed to have very tight control over the iOS app store. And I don't 100% disagree with Apple. In fact, I don't even 50% disagree with them, but I do think I 40% disagree with them. Um, They're also extremely strong against sideloading, and Apple's execs have been making that case quite strongly. Um, Tim Cook said that sideloading is not in the best interest of users, and uh, another Apple exec, Eric Neuschwander, I'm going to mispronounce it, but it looks German, so I'm going to say Neuschwander. Uh, sideloading in this case is actually eliminating choice. And as bizarre as that sounds, I kind of agree, because something that worries me about Europe, and the German case actually smells quite strongly of this. In Europe, the concept that it is a choice to choose a vertically integrated system doesn't seem to register. Mm. They seem to think that everyone should be a system like Google and that that is giving people more choice. And I would say, no, no, no. I want the choice to have a vertically integrated walled garden. I Mm. want to be in that walled garden. There are flowers that only grow in walled gardens. (laughs) Yes. You know, I mean, take the horticultural example too far, but the reason we have walled gardens is because they work. They allow Mm. plants to grow in not so temperate Irish and English climates that would prefer to be in the Mediterranean. So, you know, and I I think that should be, I think that is a valid form of competition between platforms that you can choose to have the Google model, the Wild West, or the Apple model, the gilded cage, if you're going to be pejorative about it. But I still think that's a choice. And Apple do not have 80% of the market share. No, that will be the other guys. Yes. And I think that is an important factor in all of this, isn't it? You know, they're not, they haven't got some sort of like Windows, Microsoft Windows type monopoly on the whole thing in the way that the PC market was. Um, You know, things are spread out and, and it's still I mean, it's not a very fluid market, but things can shift in and out of it, isn't it? You know, things can change in this in this world. It's it's not. I don't think they need to, you know, go down that hard. Yeah, and I think something Americans often lose sight of is that the whole world is not America. Because in America, iOS is quite dominant, hmm. but in the UK and Ireland, iOS is not dominant. Android no. is, is is massively dominant, and in in parts of continental Europe, it's extremely dominant. Um, 
I know my home nation in Belgium is particularly iOS dominated because they have a law against bundling uh, phone contracts with phones. So everyone has to buy their handset outright. Oh. And the iPhone, when you have to buy it outright, does you know, you are buying a quality piece of hardware and it is value for money, but it ain't yeah. cheap. No, it's definitely not cheap. No, yeah. So there is a lot more Android in Belgium and a lot fewer iPhones because everyone has to buy their handset outright. And, you know, for a lot of people, it does come down to that, doesn't it? You know, it's just, well, here's a, here's a great Android phone. Here's an iPhone. This one is half the price. <laughs> I mean, there are things in my life that I care about, and there are things in my life that I don't care about. And the things that I care about, I tend to, I tend to be of the opinion that I will buy something. I would invest in quality that I know I will get value for. Mm. And there are other things that I just don't care. And I will pick up the little imitation own brand for piddly nothing. It'll last yeah. me half as long as the one that costs five times as much would, and I'm still out a winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. I think a lot of people see it like that. It yeah, I mean, there it. are many people in my in my family who who have Android phones because they just see it as it's a thing that I run WhatsApp on to talk to my kids and grandkids. That is it. I mean, that is all it does. It's a proper commodity these days, isn't it? You know, it's just you just yeah. You just get one, and when it goes, you just get another one. Who cares? Exactly. It nice. <laughs> it's on a big screen or whatever. It's on the big camera, you know. And I guess the good thing is that, you know, 80% of phones have every, or yeah, 80, 90% of phones probably have, you know, 90% of every, things everyone needs. Like, I mean, it's... I'd the, say probably not a perfectly acceptable phones nowadays, probably, aren't they? The, the I mean, one niggle, the, the one niggle I still have, which worries me for my own family members, is that the support ends disturbingly quickly on some of those cheap Android phones, and you have people with very important parts of their life on utterly insecure phones on the internet. Yeah. Yes. So that that is that worries me, and my own family will get regular reminders from me that yes, I know that that uh, you know Galaxy whatever hasn't quite died yet, but it kind of has. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, Apple are definitely better at that. Mm, yes, definitely. Yeah. I would um, obviously always recommend Apple. I mean, well, you are an Apple show. <laughs> it's just it's to me, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, and then we should just one final related story after Apple started releasing white papers and all that kind of stuff. Um, the EU is, uh, the, the, um, who is she? The competition chief. Uh, she warned Apple not to use privacy and security as an antitrust shield. Oh, oh yeah. We, we know what way uh, that part of the commission is, is thinking about Apple, so. Yes. <laughs> the thing is, I really like the commissioner. She is when it, she's right on many things and she's really good at it. I just don't think she's quite right on tech. Um, hmm. But I still have a lot of respect for her. Um, and she's, she's, a, she's an amazing interviewee, actually. I've, I've heard her interview in a lot of podcasts and she is, uh, ex- you know, extremely good at expressing her point of view, extremely reasonable, and you can understand why she's done well in, you know, in, in government. Anyway, let us move on to the big story of the month. WWDC, Apple had a massive keynote um, in which we got lots of news. But of course, the keynote is only moment one of a four-day or a five-day. How many days was it? Was it a full week? 
Yeah, it's a full week, five days, yes. Full week, five, yeah, so five days worth of... Keynote and State of the Union, though, so it's, you don't get much then. Yeah, I mean, okay, so yeah, so the Monday is indeed, so you have the public one, which everyone knows about, which is the, yes. the big keynote. And then there's a second keynote that day, which I have been watching every year for the last couple of years since I discovered I could, um, which is the State of the Platforms, State of the Union presentation, where Apple tell the developers what's coming in their main operating systems. And that's becoming an ever longer list um, as time goes on. (laughs) And then for the rest of the week, you have sessions where Apple actually do in-depth presentations on specific new APIs that they've announced at one of the two previous keynotes. And this year, I actually ended up watching a few of those sessions uh, because some of those sessions were extremely insightful. Uh, Probably the most insightful one I watched actually was the one on uh, Secure Relay because their public PR was very low in f- in nerdy specifics. It really was, wasn't it? Very However, funny. the developer one was extremely high in nerdy specifics. And as a sysadmin by trade, it had all of the details I wanted. And I now actually understand what the darn thing does. Um, and it's actually, frankly, much cooler than Apple let on. I'm actually genuinely impressed with it. But anyway, let's let's not jump the gun too far. So we got a whole new version of iOS. We got a whole new version of iPad OS. We got a whole new version of Watch OS. And we got a whole new version of Mac OS. And then oh, also the TV got something. Uh, but there were also a lot of things that sort of crossed over among all the platforms. So Siri and iCloud got a lot of love. Uh, FaceTime basically has joined the 21st century. I know Apple are making a big deal out of it. And the share play stuff is darn cool. I will grant you there's a little bit more going on there than you get with Zoom, but a lot of it was catching up. Um, And then there are also, you know, Siri updates and stuff, and then a whole bunch of new tools for developers. So we, I, at this stage of the month, I don't think it's worth our while listing everything that Apple announced, because at this stage, everyone's listening to the keynote. So I think it's probably a better way to go about us to say, what do you think were the big themes of the week as a whole? What do you think Apple were trying to communicate as pay attention to this? You know, I mean, I really thought this was one of the first times that, even though it's quite an understated WWDC, it's the first time we've really started to see their platform sort of really merge together. And a lot of things... Most years, Mac gets something one year. Well, iOS gets something one year. Mac gets it the next year. The iPad gets it the next. You know what I mean? There's yeah. this sort of ever-rolling thing. This is one of the first years everything started to really come together. And, and it was like, well, we want to do all this stuff in lockstep now. It's really important that we we start to get all these platforms moving in the same direction at the same time so most of the features that they announced the big sort of headlining things work across every single one of those platforms and i think that that really stuck out for me so it's not like any one big tech but it's actually the whole idea of everything going in the same direction for once and i i think i i mean it used to be the case though when i wrote these show notes it would be very, very easy to break it into logical chunks. And it used to be just two logical chunks, right? The Mac stuff mm. and the iOS stuff. And there were very obviously separate sections of the show. It's not possible to do that anymore. Because you just end up repeating yourself. You just end up saying ditto, yeah. ditto, ditto. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. And this is something that, I mean, as developers, we've been wanting for a very long time because right. the minute one platform gets something, all your users want that thing and all the other things. It's like, well, what, am I meant to do this? You know? Well, <laughs> right, exactly. I can't do this. And then they're frustrated and so on. Or, you know, you do try doing it and then the next year, well, you have to you throw that away and just take on whatever Apple's introduced finally. Um, so, no, this is, is really welcome. And it, I think this is the first time now since iPhone and iPad that iPhone, iPad and Mac have really all looked like they come from the same company and the same people making it. And that's just a superficial thing, not a developer thing. You just look at the screen. It looks – everything now is starting to look far more – consistent and yes. yeah you're right actually the, the the days when those are very very distinct like the, the first iphone had a very distinct iphone look and at that time the mac was still in its brushed metal phase mm. which is very 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 different i mean i ios was very skeuomorphic but it was never brushed metal no no <laughs> you know and, but my impression as someone who dabbles I mean, you know, I'm a sysadmin primarily who does some programming, so I, I would not call myself a developer. I program, and I have an, I know enough software engineering to be dangerous, uh, but I'm not a developer, right? But something I have sort of noticed watching these WWDCs over the last, let's say, three years, is a real laying of a foundation. So Swift was the first brick in the foundation, where you had this one programming language and this one very common set of kits under the deep down, you know, this kit and that kit. And the kits were the same across all the OSs. The GUI layer hadn't, but the kits were the same. And you had this new language that was going to make them all the same. And then with Swift UI, you get it to the point where you now have the one language for describing your UIs. And it really does become the case where you're not writing an iOS app because it used to be so weird that you'd have NS this and NS that and you'd have a different, I can't remember what the other prefix is over on the iOS side. But you basically had two parallel similar APIs Mm. and never the twain quite met. Yes. And now it is actually, if you have a color, it's the, you know, it's the same, I don't know if it's called NS color or what they call it, but what used to be NS color, there's now the one color class to represent red across all the platforms. There's, you know, there is the one sound kit API. There is the one, there's actually, there was a Shazam kit released this year where you can do audio recognition for free because they bought Shazam. So Shazam has become a kit. Uh, But, you know, but all these kits are now the same. It's not like, similar apis it's the actual same api so you write your app once and then you skin it for you know teeny tiny screens with big chunky fingers bigger (laughs) screens with still fairly big fingers something you might use a stylus on and then something with the keyboard and mouse and a sit back interface for the telly yes 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 it's it's starting to come together and and i think they've just found a way to do it because I know that UI kit, which is the, uh, you know, the iOS version and app kit, they're very, very similar until you actually try and use them as well. And you find all these differences, you know, it drives you nuts. And <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's almost a bad thing that they're similar, right? It, it, they should either be the same or they should be different. But similar is one of the most difficult things to deal with. Yes, it is. And then one of the things I've had to do with 
you know, my app that is cross-platform, I have a common foundation and I have app kit on one side and I have UI kit on the other side. And of course, I'll do one, maybe I'll do the Mac first and I'll say, oh, that was great, that was easy. And I'll go over to iOS like, it's not there. This thing isn't there. That thing isn't there. Oh, it doesn't work the same. Oh, look, I've done the exact same thing and it's completely different. And it, yes, I mean, it, it's horrendous. I mean, how anyone's meant to, uh, I mean, so, right, so you, you're in a situation where you have apps with history, so it's not, I guess that means you have yes. technical debt, I believe is the phrase, unfortunately. Technical debt, and an awful lot of it too, yes. <laughs> it's really not that easy and simple just to move over to this stuff. But I think if you were new today, if if you were fresh out of college and you just had an idea and you were thinking to yourself, yes. I could turn this idea into a living and you were starting over, I... Would I be right in saying that we're now in a place where you would start with Swift, start with the new APIs, and you would have an easy cross-platform experience? Yes, I think you would. On the other hand, they're not quite ready yet either. So, so you need you to would... wait a year to graduate, is what you're saying. So if you're an undergrad now... <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But no, I mean... You see, you can always work around these things, but you know, I think then you would like hit this horrible wall where you have to go into UI kit or app kit and actually try and get something that does work because these things aren't quite really there yet, you know. So I think at the moment it's you can use you can sprinkle it in your apps, you can use it for bits and pieces, getting better every single year. Is it really there yet? I wouldn't say it was. I mean, I see on Twitter, because I have a lot of developer people on Twitter, yeah. two things. I see one, people are using SwiftUI. They create this amazing-looking little demo that is not really a realistic app. And they say, wow, look at what you can do. And it's useless, but it's very pretty, you know. Yeah. And then I see other developers, well, I've tried to use Swift and I've hit this problem. Then I hit that problem. I wrote into them. They said this and they said, oh, it won't be fixed till next month. And so, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so reality is just far from it. But I think if you are just starting out and... You know, maybe, maybe you won't hit those things. Maybe you can just gently glide into it and you stay within the constraints and you might just get away with it. But I don't know. I mean, personally, I would say no, <laughs> not yet. But is the trajectory in the right direction that, that no is on its way to a yes? Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Because it does make a very good demo, right? As someone who... Fantastic you know, because when I watch the State of the Union and when I watch some of these sessions where the guys, you know, they type two lines of code and this magic UI appears. It's like, ooh. <laughs> How did you do that? I mean, it I looks know. so easy. I mean, you know, me, me with my Node.js JavaScript experience, I could write a Mac app in five minutes. Look at it. He just types a few words and the magic app pops out. But of course, it's not like that in real life. I will say as well, it has, there's something about Swift and Swift UI that has real nerd appeal because they've been sort of developed, they're new, and Swift UI in particular, you know, because with Coco, uh, that's both for Mac and iOS, you know, you'd have interface belly, you drag and drop stuff and connect them together. And how cool is that, we used to say? Well, this doesn't. <laughs> well, and frankly, we did. You're dead, right? We used to say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it's not cool anymore, apparently. <laughs> I, I, I believe the buzzword, the buzzword du jour is declarative syntax. Oh, absolutely. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, yes, no longer cool. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think this is coming from the same place, though, in that, you know, like you say, ooh, like two, three lines of code and you've got this wonderful thing. Um, 
on your screen already and it it didn't hurt you know and <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I guess it's a lot less daunting for people to dip their toe in the water and get started. Mm, yes, because you don't learn anything by dragging and dropping things onto a window, do you? You know, you don't learn. No. Your code isn't written at that point, you know. But whereas if you get started by maybe saying, "Here's a list," and it's got you know a title and a subtitle, this is how it works in SwiftUI, isn't it? And it's got a thumbnail, and you know, every row has got a thumbnail. I mean, you know, so yeah, everyone's yeah. got. Sometimes the thumbnail, and yeah, that is I don't know eighty percent of apps that show you a list, isn't it? You know, you're right, yeah. And it's ten lines of code, and of course that's that looks like a miracle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's look. I mean, I counted it up once. I think you know, I can easily, I I can dabble in. I think it's fifteen different programming languages at this stage. And you know what has beaten me every single time I have tried is bloody Objective C. (laughs) <laughs> i'm sorry my brain does not work that way it just well, doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> i think that's it i think that actually um there is a great divide i mean i have no choice i had to learn objective c i didn't want to i mean i was a c programmer so i had that bit and i was a java programmer this is very long ago that so was my that. first language I, I i as much as i think it's a stupid language now i, I still don't like hearing bad things about it <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything bad, but that was sort of my back. Well, before that COBOL I did, I'm that old. But I didn't want to learn Objective-C. I got into it, and then I loved it. And that is kind of what everyone says. But I would say that Swift is more designed – I mean, it looks a lot like C-sharp in a way, but it's it's got that kind of scriptiness about it. It's a bit more – it looks a bit more flexible, a bit more easygoing. Objective-C is – the strings are going. Yeah. <laughs> but, and neither is I mean, C, to be fair to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it lets you do some great things. But yes, I say that it's so unlike everything else that it's quite off putting as well. So so Swift in that way is a lot more inviting for people because it looks it looks, you know, if you've done if you've done C or Java, well, C, I'm not saying C like C is cool. Well, I think JavaScript <laughs> probably even. You can maybe find aspects in there that sort of, you know, yeah. Yeah, overlap. Yeah. So anyway, it's, you know, I definitely think Apple are, I think Apple are beginning to reap the reward of a lot of work in yes. foundation layers. Yes. And I think, I think they have a few more years to go, but I think, People are on their side on this as well. You know, they want it to succeed. So it's it's not, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it takes a bit of time, really. People want this. Exactly. And from the user's point of view, it is definitely true that having an Apple laptop, an Apple desktop, an Apple watch, an Apple phone, an Apple tablet, the unifiedness of the experience is growing and growing and growing, right? I mean, the fact that I can just hit, Command C on my Mac, pick up my phone and paste. Yes. It's bloody magic. The fact that AirDrop actually works these days is is supremely (laughs) useful. And I am extremely looking forward to being able to drag my mouse through the edge of my Mac screen and just bounce it into another Mac. (laughs) I mean, I hope it works as well in practice as it did in the demo. But I mean, that really caught my eye because I am a many device kind of person. Mm. And at the moment, particularly in in this working from home universe, what that means is lots of keyboards and trackpads scattered across my desk. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, yes. I, I have yes. made it a policy that I have a work machine 
and a personal machine and I do not mix the two. There is no work on my personal machine and there is no personal stuff on my work machine. Yeah. But there are times when the two of them are open together and it's just, I'm just sitting at this desk of keyboards and trackpads. And like, this, this, is, <laughs> this is not necessary, especially because one of them is a laptop with an external monitor. So then you have two keyboards and trackpads for one computer followed by another keyboard and trackpad for the other. It's like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you are then made for that feature, definitely. Yes. It sounds like, yes. And actually, sometimes the iPad is sitting there too, because sometimes I want to audit a team's call, but I want to actually do some work at the same time. So then the iPad sits on the windowsill looking down at me, you know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so I think the other thing I do want to raise on this is the privacy is the other, I think, big feature that Apple has brought to all of their platforms and they're continuing mm. to focus on it. And the private relay is a is probably the most obvious example, but there's all lots of little things like a, a microphone indicator on the Mac, which is just something really nice to have taken from iOS to bring that over with us. Um, yes. And also another nice one, because the way Apple have redone their operating system on the Mac, so that actually there's a read-only partition that contains the OS, and then there's a write-only sub-part of that partition. It's done in a very clever overlay sort of a way. It's actually really trivial now to keep the OS, but nuke all of your data, which is how it's worked in iOS for years. And so now on the Mac, you can just do that factory reset thing. And basically, an encryption key gets deleted and all of your data just vanishes in a puff of entropy, effectively. Entropy. <laughs> you know, and it's just gone. And it's safe to hand that Mac over. And there is no need to, to you know, Derek's boot and newt doesn't have to spend 36 days running over everything five times or whatever. You know, it's 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 just... It's just a nice little thing. Um, uh, but so I guess just to say, so this is Apple rather confusingly rebranded paid iCloud as iCloud Plus. It's not a new thing, right? So at the moment, there's free iCloud and there's iCloud you pay anything for, be that 99 cent and up. Mm. And Apple have now started to name it differently. So if you pay anything, it's iCloud Plus, And if you don't, it's iCloud. And if you pay anything, then you get private relay. And what Apple didn't stress is that actually the most powerful thing you get from Private Relay is that it is actually oblivious DNS over HTTPS, which means the biggest leak of all of your personal data that exists on the internet is the domain name system or DNS, which is unencrypted UDP traffic, which can be abused in so many ways. That is just gone if you're an iCloud Plus user. And all of your DNS is now secure and private, just out of the box. But the S, or sorry, the H in oblivious DNS over HTTPS is HTTPS. So Apple said, well, if we're going to have this infrastructure for encapsulating DNS packets in an HTTPS stream, why don't we just put the web traffic in the web protocol? And so the private relay for Safari is really just piggybacking on the architecture of oblivious DNS over HTTPS. It's just HTTPS over HTTPS. And what they're also doing for free, which they didn't make a big deal about in the keynote at all, is app data from any app that is over HTTP is automatically routed through that same secure channel. So you're mm. effectively... So they're not messing with VPN traffic. They're not messing with secure traffic from apps. But if your app is talking HTTP, it just gets wrapped into the, into the uh, private relay wrapper for free as well. And that is just yes. a really good architecture. It is just a superbly well-engineered. Apple are actually one of the people who created Oblivious DNS over HTTPS along with big people at Cloudflare. And I don't think they gave themselves enough praise. They they really 
didn't explain it either. I mean, because no. you were saying watch that session. That is actually one of the sessions I've watched, but I want to watch it now. Cause, uh, Do, seriously. The, the, it actually gives you the nerdy <laughs> detail. It, the, trust me, it's only 15 minutes, I think. It's, it's super... Right. That is the good thing. They don't go on this year. Um, yeah, I will I will check that out. I mean, it does sound extraordinary. I didn't see that announcement coming either. I mean, that's one of the privacy announcements, I think, that I think a lot of other people who, who are, you know, milking this data, when you think of what they could get overall, yeah. I mean, just, you know, just IP addresses as well, isn't it? <laughs> but milking the data from that DNS, and, and now they won't have that. And I... <laughs> I think, and they can't say anything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think it's superb. And one of the worries with plain old DNS or HTTPS that I was going to concentrate all the DNS traffic on one or two IP addresses run by Cloudflare. But mm. Apple actually have quite a few partners and they're using uh, CDN. In fact, they're using three CDNs. So the DNS traffic is actually being kept to your local country. So it's not your IP address, but... You will be coming out of a UK IP address. I will be coming out of an Irish IP address. People in Maryland will be coming out of a Maryland IP address. So you're not going to get snared up in content restrictions and stuff, wrongly seeing you as being in a foreign country and all of that kind of shenanigans. It's a massive issue, isn't it, potentially? Potentially. Yeah. And the other one that's, I mean, it's not as obvious, but a lot of search engines and a lot of localization stuff on the web tries to figure out what vague geographic area you're in to give yes. you more sensible results. Yes. And it's not a danger for tracking your privacy that they know that you're somewhere in the United Kingdom or whatever, but it is actually useful for the internet to know that you're somewhere in the United Kingdom. For a start, they can show you the page in English. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's, prices that's... in sterling and, you know, instead of in euros and all that kind of stuff. Like, it, you know, I mean, it is not useless to have rough, vague geographic information. What I do not want is them to know precisely where I am, just approximately. Yes. So it's, it's yes. a very interesting balance. Uh, and then, of course, the other thing they're getting for they're getting a lot of now that they're making their own chips for the Macs is that they can offload work to on chip instead of up to the cloud, which is why the Mac, if you have an M1 Mac, is getting a hell of a lot of cool features mm. because that M1 chip can do so much AI and stuff because it has that neural engine, right? That means that the AI stuff can happen locally instead of in the cloud. So, yes, that, that's the same thing with Siri as well, isn't it? You know, so Siri on the device because you've got the neural engine and uh, I think that will actually make Siri potentially work. Should do, shouldn't it? In real life, you know, actually work. (laughs) It is improving. Um, I was a very, 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 very big Siri skeptic initially, like supremely so. But I, they recently released HomePod for Ireland and I decided to dip in. So I have a pair of HomePod minis as a stereo set in my kitchen and I am extremely happy with them. And I'm actually starting to feel comfortable shouting at the air and having things happen. And ah. 90% of the time, the right thing happens. And sometimes it's not that it's the wrong thing. It's that it's not quite as clever as it should be. So classic example, I set a timer for 10 minutes today while I was cooking. And it was making a bing, bing, bing noise all over my kitchen. And I said, Siri, stop alarm. And Siri went, I'm sorry, you don't have an alarm. And I'm going, stop making noise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, I mean, if Siri had any intelligence, she would have gone, oh, you mean the timer. But no, it's not an alarm. It's a timer, Bart. Silly, you know, silly you. So, you know, I mean, it is getting better. Successfully set the appropriate timer, but didn't know what stop meant. Occasionally just very dumb. 
Yeah, Very I mean, lit. maybe if I just shouted "shut up," it would have it would have worked better. But anyway, <laughs> I went up. Yeah. <laughs> I guess one last thing we should mention is that the uh, Safari got a new design across the board and it's not going over well. It really isn't. And have you used it? Have you tried it? I haven't because I am so ingrained in TreeStyle Tabs, which is a Firefox plugin, that I'm just not leaving. Because Firefox changed its tabs as well a few weeks ago and the whole internet lost its ever-loving mind. And I was like, I don't care. I have TreeStyle Tabs. <laughs> yes, I did hear about that. Um, but yeah, no, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. I think it's just the worst thing they have ever done. I'm very open minded normally. I don't like follow the herd on these opinions that go around sometimes, you know. I'm quite easygoing too about these things, but no, I was so confused. You know, the location bar moves around depending on which tab you've got, and you just you just don't know where anything is anymore. They've hidden the share button, which is massively useful. And oh god. Sorry, as a as a, right, the show notes, as the listeners will know, are quite detailed. Each and every mm. single solitary link in that show notes arrived there with the share button. The share mm. button is my most used button in Safari. Yes, I think it probably is most people's most used button in Safari. And across maybe all iOS apps, it probably is Safari where they would use it the most. So that's what you... That's where you want to get that little URL, that little page. You want to send a link to someone. You want to put it somewhere. Yeah. Every- wants to do that and they've hidden it and I, I i'm beside myself with the hassle and grief this is going to cause me <laughs> well okay but the good news i guess is that this is coming out during the beta so all of these have gone public beta just this week so they were developer only beta at since wwc they've now gone public beta so i yes. would say that everyone who is cranky needs to let apple know why they're Absolutely. cranky Never shut up about it. And I will say, I've never seen such a unified response mine across across certainly all the sort of blogs and things I read and yeah. Twitter. I've never seen how everyone thinks, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, usually I find myself being able to see both sides. And... Yes, I, I always try. As well. Oh, you get used to it. You just don't like change the thing, isn't it? But that, you know? There's a lot of that, right? Myself. You know, sometimes if I'm feeling cranky about something, but this one, I just, I'm so confused. I'm staring at the screen like I, like I've never used a computer before because it's. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's right. Moves. My in the abstract, it, the the concept isn't. I don't think the concept is fundamentally flawed. I think the implementation has some yes. real clangers, because yes. it, to me, it stinks of the reason I detested the Microsoft ribbon for so long. Ah. Every time I go, it just moves. Don't make it move. Yes, yes. And I mean, that is, I mean, the ribbon has stopped moving because it is now the case that when I am working away in Excel, uh, the the buttons are always where I left them, which is Hmm. what I want. And if Apple can get it where this new design doesn't jump about, the fact that they've collapsed the tabs into the address, into into the title bar doesn't bother me. The fact that stuff jumps around unexpectedly bothers me. The fact that important functionality is hidden away bothers me. Yes. The concept of the swipey thing at the bottom on iOS actually intrigues me. But the fact that the cost of that is that we lose the share button. No, I think again, Apple, give me the swipey thing and the share button. Yes. Yes. I, hopefully they will listen because I think the noise is so loud, you know. And maybe yes, they just maybe they just need to tweak and just recognise that you don't hide everything beyond a button that says dot dot dot. Yeah. And 
you know, maybe, maybe. You might get one of those two things, I expect. <laughs> we shall see. We, we shall see. Yes. It'll be a good test of how Apple deals with feedback. Mm. Um, is there anything else you think we really need to touch on before we briefly chat about the competition over in Microsoft land? Um, well, the only other thing that we haven't really spoken about was that shortcuts is actually a big deal for a lot of my uh, my customers. And that's the Swift UI app. And probably the first, well, I think it is definitely the first Swift UI app on Mac. And so if you ever wanted to see what the future is going to start to look like, that is a good place to start. I would say right now it is actually a little bit on the clunky side. But yeah. it's it's a great app. I think it has the potential to bring it, you know, shortcuts is very easy to use. And I think, you know, you could see a bit automation come back into fashion on the Mac. I mean, I, Automator I don't tried, God bless his cotton socks. Sorry? Automator tried, God bless his cotton socks. Oh, it just yeah. didn't quite do it. No, I didn't. I mean, best icon in the world, though. Yes. <laughs> I will grant to that. And I do use, I mean, I do use it, but I don't feel like I could tell my non-techie friends to use it. No, no, it's not quite there. It's close. It is very close. But um, Shortcuts has just got those little extra bits. It's very nice to use. I've, so I've done a lot of stuff on iOS. You know, customers come to me sometimes and say, oh, if only your app did this or that. And I'm like, well, only you want that and you're mad. Let me write you the shortcuts. <laughs> Have you but had that? that? You're, I mean, that's actually a really good point, right? Because it's much easier to expose functionality through effectively it's an api right i mean i, I know yes. we don't call it an api but effectively it's an api yes, and that way is. you don't have to clutter your ui with things the one percenters want oh yeah exactly yeah and so the power yeah. users are delighted because they can use and a power tool you can use these shortcuts in the share sheets as well see that's huge so then you just use it just like anything else you know they say oh, i want to do it this way, save it, you know, save a web link in a funny sort of way and add this comment to it and blah, blah, blah. Well, you just put something in there, you put it in the in the share menu and you're good to go. And That's so very I think powerful. That, yeah, it's very exciting. I think, you know, that is actually got the potential to be a very interesting thing. Um, it Even though it just seems nerdy and niche, I, I think, you know, actually when people see and you, oh, the other thing is now it's a lot easier to share shortcuts, Yes. So that is where I think we will see the growth, you know, and that people will, you know, try this, try that. This does a cool thing, you know. I don't know what cool thing, but that is, you know, what I expect, you know, we might see a bit of. And what Not struck me bit, is that it's compatible with Automator. Yes. Which means that the yeah. Automators I have, I can bring with me two shortcuts mm. and expand on them, right? I, I can do cool stuff and then hand over to my existing automation. Yes, you can. And um, I mean, certainly while you're on the Mac, uh, you can include Apple scripts, the call shell scripts that, and so on as well. well. And, and JavaScript. Uh, a few years Java, ago, yes. they had a JavaScript, which excited yes. me a lot more than shell script or Apple script. Mm. So you can potentially do an awful lot of stuff on, certainly on the Mac with them. So it, it could be really cool stuff. Yeah. We start yeah. Yeah. I like it. So let us visit Microsoft land briefly before we call it a day. Um Windows has gone to 11. Insert all of your jokes here. Um, I mean, it's pretty. The start menu's gone to the middle, which I imagine is going to, I thought might be the most controversial thing about it. But uh, what I think we should, you know, the reason I had the Torch Shadows here is sort of two 
important Apple adjacent stories. So the first thing is their app store is allowing third party commerce. And if you go with third party commerce, you pay zero fees to Microsoft. Now, obviously, Microsoft's business model is very different to Apple's. Microsoft Windows is just a much more open OS than iOS ever is. So it's not apples and apples. But it is nonetheless, in this current regulatory environment, a very bold statement by Microsoft. This is how we are different. It does rather look like throwing down the gauntlet, doesn't it? It does rather. <laughs> and Satya Nadella did an excellent interview um, on Recode with, oh, why am I so bad with names now? Neelai Patel. Right. Um, oh, and so. that was a fascinating interview. And I really liked the way the man was thinking. And I also, at every point in the interview, I was like, oh, thank goodness Steve Ballmer's gone. There's, yeah. a, there's a sane man running Microsoft. We can all agree. Um, but yeah, no, it does seem like, right, you finally, Microsoft, you're finally getting your act together. Yes. Doesn't it? I mean, because it looks good. For it like looks this, very good. Yeah. I, I have often, you know, heard about these Windows updates, go on, look at the screen, and go, ah, and then sort of run away, run away screaming. This time I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to know more. You know, this Honestly, actually looks... the first screenshots, when I just saw the background image and the icons, for a moment I thought, oh, this is an interesting new look Apple have gone for. Oh, Windows mm, 11. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yes, and maybe that's why I, I like it. But no, I really think they've started to get to grips with the idea of, you know, don't keep filling your UI up with crap. Yes. Perhaps trim it back a bit, make it a bit easier, shove something in the middle, you know, where it's nice and obvious. Yeah. And I mean, they're also, they're, they're doing sensible things like, like you know, the, the, the way they have sort of your, your contacting people thing integrated into a nice menu in the start menu and stuff. It's like, it's almost like they were like, what do people actually want to do and how can we make it easier? As opposed yeah. to how can we add features for a spreadsheet for someone to tick off? Yes, yes. I understand this came from, now see, I've, it's only this release that has made me go back and have a look at where did this come from then? <laughs> Windows 10X, apparently, which was meant to be a cut down version. And it seems they abandoned that. And now they've come, you know, they've just brought it into the main Windows because clearly they think it's a good idea. And yeah, and that, Good way to think about things sometimes, isn't it? You know, just, you know, simplify. do something, think about it, simplify it. And then you think, well, why don't you just do this for everything? It could just work. Yeah. And I think that's what they've, how they got there, which is great. Glad to see it. Yeah, agreed. And then the other thing that caught my eye is Microsoft have added Android apps to Windows 10 via Amazon's App Store, which is quite the, mm. the quite a mixture of companies there because i didn't go with google's app store no no amazon's app store so from the yes. fire and so it's forth interesting in itself isn't it it sort of says a lot doesn't it I don't... Yeah. <laughs> and we're friends with them they don't bother us too much we're not going to those guys no no i know <laughs> no it, not with the guys who are the you know the uh what was it the slogan don't be evil and now they seem to be well hmm. don't uh, not be evil <laughs> yeah <laughs> so throwing shade at google and yeah but Amazon is a trusted partner, isn't it? You can't diss them for that. No, and they are generally a sane company. Hmm. Yeah. They, they don't do silly things. Uh, no, they don't. They don't. They don't risk it, do they? Yeah. No, they plod along silently taking over the world. Very easily. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, I'm going to finish out the show with a few quick stories. Um, Apple have released the Beats Studio Pro Buds. Uh, they play nice with Android, which is interesting, and Apple even marketed it as such. 
Um, Apple also released a collection of international Apple Watch bands for the Olympics that are finally happening. And I was very excited because Belgium was on the list of 22 countries to get a band. Right. So I went looking. Doesn't look anything like Belgian flag to me. It's yellow. Just yellow with a teeny tiny bit of red and no black anywhere. I'm sorry. That's wrong. Our flag is a tricolour. Giant band of black, giant band of yellow, giant band of red. Yeah. It's just a yellow strap. It's it I'm sorry, our strap looks like it's Spanish. It's like yellow with two red lines around it. Yeah, I know that flag, it's Spain. It's not ours. Spain. Oh, I bet they haven't done a Welsh one of those. They wouldn't do a Welsh one. They'd do UK, wouldn't they? We don't compete as Wales. There was, yeah. yeah, there is a UK one. And again, it didn't make me think Union Jack. And Union Jack is such an iconic sort of a pattern. Like, you know, there's lots of third party companies do NATO bands in the different colours and they look amazing, but there's no Belgian one. Uh. <laughs> I definitely want a Bel- you know, anyway. I did, actually, it's it's not at all Apple rated, but I got a great deal today on a new Belgian jersey. Oh, they were knocked out last night. So oh, yeah. <laughs> the UEFA store has the jersey at twenty percent off. It's like yoink. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My family are not impressed. It's like you should be mourning our loss. I, like, I don't care. I got a cheap jersey. <laughs> It's what counts, isn't it, in the end? Were you going to win anyway? Probably not. So, well, hey, To be honest, we this. had a chance. This this could have... We were, in, we were a contender this time, which is nice, because uh, there's not much point in supporting Ireland. They weren't even in it. Um, and mm. even if they are, they don't win. But anyway. Anyway, sorry, we were doing quick stories to finish out. So, yes, Apple Watch bands, boo-hoo. Um, Linux has added official but basic support for the M1 chip, and Linus Torvalds is stressing that we should continue to bolster up the basics before we go mad and start doing stuff like graphics acceleration, which is probably sensible. Um, And then mark your calendar, folks. Apple's Q3 earnings call will come out on July 27th. Right, well, that is a month of Apple news uh, neatly condensed. Thank you very much for giving up your Saturday evening to do it with me, Steve. It has been a pleasure. Yes, I've enjoyed Do you want to remind the listeners where they can find you and your stuff? Yes, I, uh, I'm i on Twitter, at Steve Harris. Um, you can go to reinventedsoftware.com for my apps. There's also a Twitter handle for reinvented software called Reinvented Apps, but I don't really put much on there. So <laughs> I don't really put much on Twitter at all, actually. But yes, reinventedsoftware.com, that's the place to go. Excellent. Well, um, before we finish up, just to say that this show is entirely listener supported. There are no ads. There are no advertisers, which means I don't have to worry about offending people. I can give my honest opinion on all things and I like it that way. Uh, So I just want to say thank you very much to the listeners who support the show. Literally, if you didn't, it wouldn't exist. But it does exist because you do. And I am very grateful to you all for that. Um, That includes those of you who simply... Share the word with your friends, tweet about the show, even post it on that evil Facebook thing. I still like you for it. I'm not going to join you there, but I like that you share there. Um, And then, of course, there are the more practical ways of supporting the show. There is a PayPal button where you can make a one-off donation. Um, That works extremely well for single, you know, one-off donations every now and then. Uh, But the fee structure is such that it's a terrible way to support the show regularly, which is why Patreon rocks. So if you would like to contribute a small amount per show, the way to do that is to sign up on Patreon. There are two shows a month, one Apple, one photography. So if you think I'm worth $2 a month, pledge one. 
and it will become two because that's how it works. Anyway, thank you all who support the show. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? Then Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Paselli. And I'm Melissa Davis. Listen to the Geekiest Show Ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews, always welcome. Thank you.